Well, thank you, Mosaic, for having me here, and it's a delight to be at the church that I have mistakenly been identified of being a part of on several occasions now. Uh, if you don't know, I've been at Mosaic Silver Spring for a good while now, and so when I let people know that I'm from the D.C. area and I work at Mosaic Community Church, when they hear Mosaic, they're like, of course, you work with Russ. I'm like, no. I uh, work with Joel St. Clair in Silver Spring, uh, but it sounds like the reverse has happened as well for us and others, uh, so it, it goes both ways. The joys of having a church that's named uh, the same in close proximity. Like I said, it's a joy to be here, and as Travis said, my name is Danny Edwards-Luce, and I have been recently called to plant a church in the Port Towns area, which, uh, if you don't know, those are the four towns of Bladensburg, uh, uh, Edmonston, Colmar Manor, and Cottage City. So if you just kept going up, I'm a little geographically thrown off here, but whatever way north is up Route 1 uh, to uh, up Rhode Island Avenue, when you cross over into Maryland, that's the area that we are working to plant. We are going to be moving over there in August and uh, start engaging with our neighbors and with the community uh, and, Lord willing, be working to plant a church in that area in the coming years. Uh, Russ also encouraged me to share with you all, if you all uh, know people in that area, uh, to uh, be willing to, and you're willing to connect uh, them to us, it would be a great privilege to get to uh, help with those connections. We are uh, in many ways going into this plant with not a whole lot of uh, direct connections. And so if you know people uh, who are in any of those four towns or the surrounding areas of Cheverly or Hyattsville or Mount Rainier, uh, would love to uh, have those connections be made. It would be a great uh, joy to me. So I know that you guys have been working through uh, Philippians, uh, but we are going to be hitting pause through the series on Philippians and are going to instead jump to the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, the text for today is Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses 24 through 39, as printed in your worship guide. Uh, if, if you have a Bible, you can turn there as well. Please follow along with me as we read from God's Word. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the mountaintops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that does not go out and return empty, but it is like a sword dividing a bone from marrow, from sinew. And Lord, I pray that through this passage that you would work in our lives to chisel away the things that are not made in the image of Christ, but would work in us to form us into that image that you would make us more truly who you have meant for us to be, and as you see us to be in your Son, Jesus Christ. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got a question for you all to begin. Uh, it's not rhetorical, so please uh, shout out answers. Uh, what would you say is the most important uh, body in our solar system? The most important object in our solar system, what would you say? Sun, excellent, well done. Uh, so that's my question for the sermon. Um, so the sun is a very important element to our solar system, right? Without it, we would not have night or day. We would not have all of the energy that is poured upon our earth that grows the crops that is used to uh, benefit uh, God's creation, whether it be uh, other animals or, or us. Uh, honestly, we wouldn't even have the solar system itself. The gravity that is provided by the sun uh, allows for all of these things to continue to operate and move uh, so that our solar system can exist. And yet for such a significant object in our solar system, we in fact don't know a whole lot about it. And you can probably imagine why. Uh, if you were to look at the sun for any length of time, uh, you would not be able to see anything again after that. So even being able to look upon the sun and try to understand it that way takes uh, significant work. Uh, if you were trying to get close to the sun, uh, it is incredibly hot. And so you would not be able to withstand the heat of the sun to be able to get close enough to uh, examine it. Except for just recently, uh, NASA has just now announced that in 2018 they have finally created a probe or satellite that they are going to send out to the sun uh, on a seven-year mission to circle around the sun uh, and study it for a seven-year period. And as I said, it's very hot, uh, and so they have created this heat shield uh, that is eight and a half feet thick. Uh, eight and a half feet thick of heat shield to protect the instruments that are going to be studying the sun and so they're going to be going on this seven-year mission to learn about something that we know very little about. And you can imagine that a seven-year mission with an eight-and-a-half-foot heat shield is probably going to cost a little bit of money. And the current price tag that NASA has announced for this trip to the sun is $1.5 billion dollars. That's what they say right now, you know, that those things can often go up. So $1.5 billion to do this trip to the sun. To say the least, this journey is going to be costly. And while we can imagine space travel to cost a lot of money, the scriptures tell us of another journey that comes at a great cost. For example, 
in the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah, who's known as the weeping prophet, one who was in the minority and at times even felt alone uh, at being an obedient uh, follower of God, uh, at one point was put into stocks and beaten by his own people for speaking the word of the Lord. And just to give a quick uh, uh, little reference from the words of Jeremiah, it's, it's uh, very striking. Let me just read from Jeremiah 20 really quick. This is what he says after he has been beaten and put into the stocks. He says, Cursed be the day on which I was born. The day when my mother bore me, let it not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father. A son is born to you, making him very glad. Let that man be like the cities that the Lord overthrew without pity. Let him hear a cry in the morning and an alarm at noon because he did not kill me in the womb. So my mother would not have been, would have been my grave and her womb forever great. Why did I come out from the womb to see toil and sorrow and spend my days in shame? Jeremiah paid a great cost in his obedience to God. You find this throughout scriptures from the Psalms and in the New Testaments from the Apostle Paul, even Jesus himself. And today, from the gospel text of Matthew, Jesus tells us that he tells his followers that if people have spoken ill of him, how much more certain is it that his followers will be treated poorly and maligned and persecuted? While I know at this church you speak of the goodness of following Jesus often, while we know that our lives are best lived, whether lived in obedience to God our Father, we are reminded today that following Jesus is costly. The message of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection can divide parent from child and child from parent. Radical news that our lives are no longer our own but are now lived in service to Jesus can cause old friendships to be lost, opportunities to get ahead, to disappear, and times in this life to become quite difficult. Following Jesus at times can seem as easy as downloading a new app onto your phone or throwing a couple dollars to a good cause, but today's text reminds us that following Jesus is costly. And so if that is the case, what are we to do? Our first thing God's word tells us is that we should not be surprised when hardships come. On two occasions in the text, Jesus warns us of the difficulties ahead for those following Jesus. First, in verses 24 and 25, Jesus gives an argument from the greater to the lesser. Essentially, this argument goes, for example, if a, a strong person was having a very difficult time lifting up a heavy weight, then how much more certain is it that somebody who is less strong, who is weaker, is going to have even more of a difficulty picking up that same weight? So Jesus, in this text, says that if he is maligned, how much more certain is it that his disciples will experience such treatment? Jesus is telling us today, through his word, that we should expect others to question why we devote our lives to God and not to money or business success or getting ahead at all costs. We should expect people to laugh at the fact that we believe that a man who has risen from the dead is able to bring us eternal life. 
when we put it that way, we can understand why people might think that is a little crazy. And yet by God's spirit, we have been convicted of this truth. We should expect people to laugh at this. We should expect people to reject us for our faith because Christ was rejected, was laughed at, and despised. If Jesus experienced this thing, how much, how much more certain is it that we too will experience these hardships? The second place that Jesus speaks of these is in verses 34 through 38. In these verses, Jesus tells us that the message of the gospel will divide friends and family. That as people hear what we believe, they will reject the message of the gospel and in doing so even reject us. We can expect an unbelieving family member to reject our faith. We can expect an unbelieving friend to distance themselves from us when they realize the ethic that we have been called to live according to. We can expect hardships to come. There's a cost to following Jesus, and we should be expecting these things to come our way. Now, let me take a quick moment to share what these hardships are are not. Uh, and let me, uh, there's a, a teacher who once told me, please don't hear what I'm not saying. So let me uh, tell you what it is that I am not saying. Uh, essentially, uh, if you are going to go about uh, and start uh, speaking uh, critically towards your neighbor for drinking too much and not going to church, uh, it makes every sense that they are going to direct some hardships your way. It is going to make sense for them to feel upset about what it is you're doing, especially if they're not even Christians, if they do not have the baseline understanding of what it means to follow Christ and what he has done for us. Why would they follow that ethic? Why would they follow what Christ has commanded them to do? And so we instead are commanded in multiple times throughout the New Testament to do in fact the exact opposite from attacking unbelievers. We are commanded to strive to get along with others, to respect the unbelievers in our communities. We are called to be building up the community around us. We are to be a blessing to our people. In fact, it is a qualification of Christian leadership that you would have good rapport amongst those both inside and outside the church. So we are called to be respecting and caring for our neighbors and our communities and seeking the best for them. But what this text is saying is that even when we do that, when we seek the best for our communities, even then hardships are going to come. Because the gospel speaks of our deepest commitments, because the gospel challenges our most fundamental beliefs about what is important, what is worth pursuing in this life, what is of value, people will question, doubt, and laugh at us. Even when we're seeking the best of others, we can expect hardships to come our way. I've been thinking about this, this promise quite a bit over the past week. I was able to go on a retreat with some of my friends who are also in ministry. And we worked through a part of scripture that focused uh, much on how uh, we are promised suffering in this life and our obedience to Christ. And so as I considered that, I found both this passage and the one that we were reflecting on this past week to be a bit of a challenge for me. 
growing up in a home where everyone proclaimed Jesus as Lord and largely being in circles where Jesus was at least tolerated, if not celebrated, I have not had many opportunities to receive the kind of challenge, the kind of maligning and rebuke and scorn that is talked about in this passage. My parents haven't disowned me. My brother and my sister still love me. And there might have been times where my conscience has been pricked such that I have had to uh, share something with others and confess something with others that uh, if I never said anything would not have been known to my brothers and sisters. But that is not the kind of difficulty that Christ promised is going to come our way in this text. To be questioned or maligned because of my faith is not something that has happened often for me. And so I have wondered Am I being faithful as a believer to speak the truth of the Gospels, or am I just hiding my faith? Am I being a stealth Christian, proclaiming Jesus when it is convenient for me, but when I find myself in what I perceive to be enemy territory, I go below the radar, and nobody knows that I am a follower of Christ? And so the passage today challenges us who may hear these words and think we haven't experienced hardships because of our faith to examine ourselves and see if we might be stealth Christians flying under the radar. It might not be that you are doing anything wrong. You may be falling in obedience to Christ and God has not uh, poured any of these difficulties upon you. But I encourage you, as I have done myself, to examine your hearts to see, am I, being a stealth Christian, only showing up as a follower of Jesus when it is most convenient for me? And yet, on the other hand, I know that there are people in this room today who have experienced hardships because of their faith. And I want to tell you that this passage, I hope, may be an encouragement to you. It reminds you that you are not alone in your suffering. Many have come before you, including our Savior Jesus, who have suffered for their faith. I pray that this passage might also be a means of affirming your faith in the Lord. Jesus promises hardships for those who follow him. And as you experience these hardships, it can be a confirmation that you are indeed being faithful to the Lord. And so while these hardships can be a great burden, can be a great challenge, can make us cry out in words similar to what we heard from the prophet Jeremiah, I hope that they might also be a means of encouragement that you are being faithful to our God. Now, it begs the question, if the cost of following Jesus is so great, why... Should we pay such a steep price? Why should I choose to follow someone that does not bring peace but a sword, as the text says? Why should I proclaim a message that promises to bring me ridicule and voices that will malign me? Why should I choose to love somebody more than my own family, even my wife? Why should I pay such a high price? I asked that very question of why should I pay such a high price the last time that I went to the dentist. (laughs) 
Obviously, this is a bit of a different set of circumstances, but uh, unfortunately, throughout my high school and college days, I did not have the uh, best of dental hygiene. And so I have had a very long span of time to recover uh, from that choice of not taking care of my teeth. And since that time, I've learned to ask an important question of the dentist. If I don't take care of this new tooth that you have just put in to replace the one that I lost, if I don't take care of this crown on my tooth the way you're instructing me to, if I don't take care of this filling the way that you say I should, what is going to happen? What is going to be the cost of not following your instruction? See, I know the cost of taking care of my teeth well now. I know the cost that is required of the daily brushing, flossing, and now the dentist has even encouraged me to get a water pick, uh, which I lovingly describe as the pressure washer for your mouth. Why should I be doing all those things? And so I need to know, if I do not pay the price, what is going to be the cost of not taking care of my teeth properly? And so like me asking the dentist what is going to be the cost of not following your instruction, we too as followers of Jesus should ask, what is the cost of not following Christ? If you are to look with me in verses 26 through 33, in this section, Jesus essentially pivots our view of things by looking at our lives from a heavenly perspective as opposed to a worldly one. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is that by world standards, we consider the maligning to be laughed at, to be disregarded for our faith as a great harm. And it is true that it is not good to be cast aside by others. And yet, in this passage, Jesus takes us before the presence of God himself to be able to see from his vantage point upon his creation. And this passage tells us that we are to not fear when these hardships come upon us. Why is that? Because we should not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Instead, we are to fear him, namely God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Men can only do so much harm to us, but it is towards God that we should have the most reverent fear of his great power and control. Brothers and sisters, the text today tells us that the cost of following Jesus, the decision to follow him, is a matter of life and death. Jesus says again in verse 39, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. From the world's perspective, we can gain every measure of success. We can own our own home, go to a good school and pay off all our debts. We can find a spouse and be married and have the proverbial two and a half kids 
and be able to uh, move on through our professions and be able to retire to some beach somewhere and live out the rest of our days. But the message of the gospel today tells us that all of those things are small fry apart to what is offered for us in Christ. The promise of eternal life, of eternal peace, of eternal refreshment that is found in Jesus is something that we are offered in him freely through the costly grace given to him upon the cross. And so we today are presented with a choice to find our lives in the idols of this world. As Travis said in the time of confession, we can see the world around us continuing to draw us towards these things that are good things but promise to be ultimate. I say, if you will devote my life to money or to success or to fame, you will find happiness. And if we choose that road, we are choosing to reject Christ. And if we choose to follow him, we have a life promise uh, of eternal blessing, of eternal peace, where all things will be made right and perfect in him. But in doing so, we are going to experience hardship. We will be laughed at and maligned for our faith. We will be challenged because we claim Jesus as Lord. And so we have a choice. And if you're anything like me, if you're someone who needs to know what the consequences are for not brushing your teeth right, if you need to know the cost of not following Jesus, I encourage you to take these words to heart. The blessings of Christ are immense. Because of him, we are free from shame, from guilt, from the endless pursuits of proving ourselves to be worthy of love, value, and purpose. We find these in Jesus. But following him also comes at a cost. And at times, that cost may seem even more than we are willing to pay. Yet Jesus from God's word this morning reminds us that he is, in fact, worth it. He is worth it. You might remember the satellite uh, that I was talking about at the very beginning, this $1.5 billion satellite that NASA is sending to the sun. Well, uh, I dug around a little bit further to learn more about this satellite and found out that uh, scientists believe that the sun has the potential uh, for throwing out these massive amounts of energy, these solar flares, uh, that are powerful enough to disrupt every major system on Earth. Scientists think that uh, if one of these flares were uh, hurled towards the earth in just the right way, that the damage, uh, the, the, the price tag for the damage that it would cause would be over $2 trillion, and that the power on the entire eastern seaboard would be lost for over a year. And so when we realize what could be understood, predicted, and even perhaps prevented if we are to learn more about these solar flares, a $1.5 billion price tag doesn't seem to be quite so steep. And so as NASA has gone about calculating the cost of what it means to send this probe to the sun, I want to invite you this morning to also count the cost of following Christ. If you have not committed yourself to Jesus, I want to invite you this morning as well to consider is he worth it? 
And if you have chosen to follow him, I would invite you as well to count the cost. See if Christ is truly worth it. To see is the benefits of following him versus the benefits of choosing another path. Which are the better options? And so as you do this math, let it be our prayer that you might find that the cost of following Jesus is worth it. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, who has given us such a great and precious gift, the gift of hope for future, the gift of security now and what we have received. And God, I pray that you would work by the power of your Spirit to convince us that following Christ is, in fact, the better portion. That though may, the price may be steep, it is far greater benefit for us to continue to follow Christ. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.